it's always a privilege and an honor to speak before you folks because you know me. <laughs> and I can't, uh, I can't fake it in front of you, you know. You, you'll know if I'm telling the truth or not because you watch me, you look at me. and So, kind of scary actually. <laughs> well, I hope you brought your running shoes today because we are going to go through a lot of scripture really fast. If you're the type of person who gets frustrated because you can't take the notes as fast as I'm talking or flip through the scripture as fast as I'm going, just chill out, okay? Just read the scripture off there. You can go back later on and, you know, listen to it and uh, on our website and you can uh, take your notes from there. What I want to do for us today is I want to look in depth at one aspect of our mission statement. Up here on the board, we are a church that develops disciples of Jesus Christ who have truly encountered the gospel, have been changed by God's grace and are living for his glory. Today I want us to look at changed by God's grace. I want us to look in depth. What has he changed? How are we changed? What does that change look like? That's what we're going to be doing today, and I hope you can identify within yourself the changes that God has done, is doing, and will do someday. So, Paul, read for us our scripture passage. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away or carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. Thank you. Well, let's look at our first change this morning, shall we? Our first change. By God's grace, we have been given a new identity. We have a new identity. Look at Romans 6, 6. It says, we know that our old self, there's our old identity, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we be no longer enslaved to sin. Our old self, sometimes called the old man, sometimes called the old nature, it's our old identity. It's who we were before we came to Christ. And that identity was crucified with Christ. It's been put to death. Over in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by the death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now, once we were alienated, 
Once we were hostile in our minds. Once we were doing evil. That's our old man. That's the old identity. But now it says we are presented to Christ. And by the way, this is not future tense in the Greek. This is present tense. This is something we have right here, right now. Not something we're going to get someday. We are presented to Christ as holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now, does that seem like a change to you? Yeah, sure seems like a change to me. One time we were alienated, we were hostile, we were doing evil. Now we're blameless, we're above reproach, we're holy. In 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and I had to look through a lot of different passages or different translations of Scripture because a lot of them want to add words that really aren't there. And I had to go just as literal as possible on this one. And it says, to the assembly of God that is at Corinth, to those sanctified by Christ Jesus, called saints, with all those calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in every place, both theirs and ours. Here we have our new identity. We are called saints. We're not called to be saints. Well, we are, but that's coming later, okay? But we are called saints. We have a new identity and we have a new name. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are saints. Now I want you to notice this was written to the Corinthian church. Whenever I thought I had problems in a church, I just thanked God I wasn't pastoring the church at Corinth. They were a bunch of scoundrels. Okay, uh, they were getting drunk on the communion wine and they were having fist fights in the foyer and you know, just Paul had to address all sorts of problems at Corinth, but what does he call them? He calls them saints. Because why? Because they were acting like saints? No, but because that is our new identity in Christ Jesus. We are saints. In Philemon, Verse 5, chapter 1, but there's only one chapter, so that's kind of redundant. Okay, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Look through Paul's epistles. What does he call believers in almost every one of his epistles? He calls them saints. He's reminding them of the new identity, who they are in Christ Jesus. They are now saints. So what? So what? What, 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 what difference does that make? Have you ever heard the expression, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, no, you're not. You're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. Now, so what? What difference does that make? Okay, we're going to get real theological here for a second, so put on your thinking caps. Okay, here we go. What does a duck do? It quacks. What else does it do? It waddles. In other words, a duck acts like a duck, right? What does a horse do? We, yeah. 
It acts like a horse. It'd be kind of weird to see a horse acting like a duck or a duck acting like a horse. They act according to what they are. What does a sinner do? Sins. Yeah. What does a saint do? <laughs> We're getting to that part. Okay. We're getting to that part. Sociologists tells, tell us that we cannot go long in acting contrary to our self-image. In other words, how we think of ourselves has a great influence upon how we behave out there. You know, there's a difference between telling a child that he is bad as opposed to telling him that he has done a bad thing. Tell a child he's bad and what is he gonna do? He's gonna act like he's bad. Okay, There's, tell a child that she is stupid and the child will grow up believing she is stupid and will act accordingly. Now we might not always act according to our identity but it will determine by and large our decision making process. So who are you, a sinner or a saint? Okay, you are saints. That is your identity in Christ Jesus. You are a saint. Now, if you're looking for a catchphrase that you want to use to replace the old, I'm a sinner, just a sinner saved by grace, how about this one? I was a sinner who's now a saint, or now saved by grace. Uh, I'm a saint who sometimes sins. Okay, that's better. Here's one I like. I am a saint, holy, blameless, above all reproach in the sight of God. Say that in the morning when you get up. Okay? Remind yourself who you are in Christ Jesus by God's grace. Now, does that mean we never sin? No, unfortunately it doesn't. But listen to Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Now, the word sanctification here in this context means as we are growing in our walk with God, as, as we are growing to, to be more like who God has said we are. He says, as you are being sanctified, as you are growing spiritually, you need to remember something. And that something is that you, in the sight of God, are perfect forever. That's how God sees us. Perfect forever. Our standing before God is perfect. We are saints. And now God says, act like it. Ephesians 5.8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Act according to your new identity. Act in accordance to who God says you are. I want you to feel free from now on when you greet me to say, good morning, St. Calvin. I'll say, good morning, St. Carly. 
Good morning, St. Scott. Good morning, St. Paul. Oh, no, we already have a St. Paul. Uh, we'll call you Junior, okay? Uh, somehow or another, we've got to get it into our heads who we are in Christ Jesus, that we have been changed by God's grace. We have a new identity. Which brings us to our second point this morning, which tells us how do we do that? The second change we have is by God's grace, we have a new power. Now, we all know we've been saved by grace, right? At least I hope so. If you're here today and you don't understand that, God does not save us on the base of our actions, our works. That is a lie of the devil that he's perpetrated for millenniums. We are saved by God's grace. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Could you imagine what heaven would be like if we could do enough good to get to heaven? You'd have to listen to me bragging about what I did to get to heaven. And I'd have to listen to you. It's a gift of God's grace. But that's not all that God's grace does for us. Over in Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, we read this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There we are, grace for salvation. Also, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What is it that teaches us, that instructs us to live godly lives? It's the grace of God. What in, what in specific? It is the grace of God given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is it that's training us to live godly lives? It's God's grace. Now there were a group of believers in the city of Galatia. Now there's another church I'm glad I never pastored. Okay, the city of Galatia. And they believed basically that they could grow in their walk with God through their own power, their own fleshly energy that they could grow spiritually. And, and, and Paul wrote quite a harsh letter to the Galatians. And he says in Galatians 3, 2 and 3, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or the hearing of faith? Are you so Foolish. Uh, other translations have a, another word in there, but I thought there might be children uh, present who uh, parents have told them not to say that word, but it kind of means foolish. Okay, you can figure that one out. Um, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's reminding them, you were saved through the power of the Holy Spirit, and now you think you can grow spiritually through your own energy, through your own efforts? The word flesh here 
refers to their own power, their own effort. So, you know, anything they might want to add to God's grace. And paraphrased, it's basically this. Having been saved by the power of the Holy Spirit, are you now trying to grow spiritually by your own power? You see, we, by God's grace, have a new power, a new source of power, and that power is the Holy Spirit living within us. You see, the moment you and I got saved, something happened that, well, a lot of things happened. Okay, but one of those was that the Holy Spirit came to permanently indwell us as believers. Why does the Holy Spirit live within us? Did it get too crowded in heaven and God the Father says, well, you're out, okay, go live in believers? No, I don't think so. There is a reason why the Holy Spirit lives within us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, we have this whole section on living godly. And in the middle of this section on living godly, we have a very interesting statement. He says, or did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, <coughs> whom you have from God? You are not, <coughs> excuse me, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In, in the midst of, of living holy, godly lives, he reminds us that our body is the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Why stick that seemingly random fact in the middle of a discussion about holy living? It's because it's not a random fact. It's connected. There's a big connection there. In Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God in us. What part of the Trinity lives within us? Holy Spirit. So the whole, by the way, this is a great evidence for believing in the Trinity because it says that the Holy Spirit lives in us and then it says God lives in us and if you remember algebra, if A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. In other words, they're one and the same. The Holy Spirit is God. That was free. Okay, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The ability to grow in the Christian life does not come through our own fleshly energy, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where a lot of people get, wrong, get it wrong. They say, okay, I'm saved by the grace of God. Now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to be more loving and I'm going to try to be more peaceful. I'm going to try to have more joy. I'm going to try to have more of the, I'm going to try to live for God. And God says, would you quit your trying? I'm going to give you the power to do it. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a, a word in the Greek, and I don't mention this to try to impress you with my Greek knowledge, but it, it is the word, word dunamis. Dunamis. And it is the word 
that we get our word dynamite from. Okay? Dynamite. And, and the word here has the idea of power, mighty working. Where our word power, for, and, and it has also the idea it's not a power that is innate within us. It doesn't come from us, but rather it is a power that comes upon us. Comes upon us. It's God working in you. The Holy Spirit working in you. The Holy Spirit working within me that produces the desire to do what God wants and the power to do what God wants. And he does this by his grace. He does it by his grace. Not our fleshly energy. God reveals his will to us by his power through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man, or nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. We can't understand through our own ability what God wants for us, what God desires for us. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can, so he can reveal these things to us. You know, as we learn the word of God, something happens supernatural within you and me. And that is the Holy Spirit gives us the understanding of what God wants us to do. In other words, he produces the desire within us. And when we submit to that desire, then God gives us the power to do it. This is not something I can do myself. This is something that, that, that God wants to do within me. He wants to give me the desire. He wants to give me the power. My, my job is to, to yield to that. And this is all done by God's grace. Have you ever met a person who said they were a Christian, but you didn't see any growth in their life? You know, it could be that they weren't really a Christian. That's a possibility. Or, or it could be that they have short-circuited the process that God has put in place for Christians to grow. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith cometh from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now that's not just true for salvation, that's also true for, for living the Christian life. You know, I've known Christians, and I believe they were Christians who never got into the Word of God, so the Holy Spirit could never use the Word of God to put the desire of God within them and the power of God within them to do the will of God. Kind of a warning for us here, Christians. You want to grow in your walk with God? Then get in the Word. And then watch for the Holy Spirit 
to give you the desire and then the power to do the will of God. I like what Pastor Chad said a couple of weeks ago about watching and praying. And he gave us that concept that watching is, is expectant watching, anticipating. It's knowing something is coming, and so, so you're, you're looking out the window waiting for it to get there. And God says, when you get in the word of God, do so watching, expectantly, waiting for the Holy Spirit to, to give us desire. Now, I personally have never been one who just liked to read through the Bible. You know, I've got two chapters in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament, I've got to read it through. That's okay, you know, you get knowledge that way. The way I like to read the Bible, though, is I read until God stops me. And how he does it is I read a verse and then I stop and I wait and if I feel God's talking to me from that verse then I stop there and maybe I'll read five, six, ten, twenty, maybe two chapters, I don't know. But I am waiting for God to stop me, to put the desire in me to do God's will. And then I know he'll give me the power to do it. Back many years ago, there was a Christian saying that went around, you know, uh, and it was basically this, God isn't finished with me yet. Some of you remember that? Yeah, God isn't finished with me yet. And that's so true. But Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I skipped ahead in my sermon notes. <laughs> Confused you, didn't I? <laughs> okay, third point. Third change. By God's grace, we have a new goal or purpose in life. I don't know, maybe you were saved when you were real young, but those of you who were saved maybe later on in life, did you find that your purpose in life changed? when you got saved? What is the goal of the Christian life? What's the goal? Is, is it to stuff our heads with Bible facts? Maybe even theology? Now is that it? Is it to hang on until we get to heaven? Is it to have a warm, fuzzy relationship with God? You know, is that the goal of the Christian life? God isn't finished with us yet. He began a good work in us. He began. It's just started. He's going to continue that work on within us. Some people think that the goal of Christianity is for God to make nice people out of us. Well, that might be part of it. But that's not what God really wants to accomplish, is to make us all nice people. Some people think that, that the goal of the Christian life is for us to be happy and healthy and prosperous. The health and wealth gospel. The blab it and grab it. Is that what God wants to do with us? It, it, some people believe that 
the purpose of the Christian life is for us to pray and so God will give us everything we want. The goal of the Christian life is to become like Christ. That's the goal. That is our purpose. That is what God wants to do within us. He wants us to become the image of Christ Jesus on earth. In Ephesians 4.19, Paul says this, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You know, some people see the Apostle Paul as, a, as a, just a great evangelist. And he was a great evangelist. But he also had a great ministry helping believers grow spiritually. And what does he say the goal is? For Christ to be formed in us. That's the goal. Christ-likeness within us. Let me read again the scripture passage that Paul read earlier from Ephesians. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, so he's given us all these people, these leaders, spiritual leaders, to equip us to do the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you ever catch that before? That what God is doing is is his desire in all of this is so that we might come to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. In other words, to become like Christ so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, a lot of things happen when we become like Christ, and he lists some of the details here for us to look at. But we are to grow up in every way into him. So why did he give you apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers? Why doesn't he want us to be spiritual children anymore? Why, why does he want us to be mature? Because the God's goal for us is to be filled with the fullness of Christ. God is far more interested in us becoming like Christ Christ than anything that we might do for him. You know that? Do you know that this offer for all believers to become like the Son of God was really not offered before? Because in the Gospels, we see God manifested in the flesh in Christ Jesus. We can say, well, well, what is God like? What is Christ like? Open your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read what Christ was like. And then you'll know what he wants us to become like. You know, it's not what would Jesus do. 
is, it is what was Jesus like? It's the heart of Christ that he wants beating within us. It's the virtues of Christ, the holiness of Christ that God wants to produce in us. You see, we see Jesus, the visible form of the invisible God, going about his daily life, interacting with people, showing what God is like so that we can know what we're supposed to be like. When I was quite young, probably junior high school, I read a book called In His Steps. I don't know if you've ever read it or not. It's, it's an oldie, but goodie. And uh, if you haven't, uh, get it. Read through it. In His Steps. How we walk like Christ walked today on earth. Today we also have that permanently indwelling Holy Spirit that others have never had. In the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit coming upon people to do something, and the Holy Spirit left that person. But today the Holy Spirit permanently lives within us to give us the power that makes it possible for us to be like Christ Jesus. So when we look at our mission statement up here on the board, and we read that we've been changed by God's grace, I hope that as we look at it, we, we remember, first of all, by God's grace, we have a new identity. We are now saints. And that by God's grace, we now have a new power working within us. And by God's grace, we now have a new goal to become like Christ. I hope you won't forget at least one of those points. That first one, make all the difference in the world. Again, when you get up in the morning, say, I'm a saint, not a sinner. And by God's power, I'm gonna act like it today. Or when temptation comes along and it's strong and it's trying to drag you under to say, I am a saint, not a sinner. I'm going to act like it. Now this is theology, but this is practical theology. It'll make all the difference in the world in interactions. Let's pray. I want to give you a moment to talk to God within your own heart, not out loud. If there's anything that the Holy Spirit has talked to you about, remember, He's the one who gives the desire and the power. I'm going to give you a moment to respond to Him, and then I'll close in prayer. Lord, as I prepared this sermon, even I was reminded that many times I try in my own strength, my own heart, to uh, try to scrounge up the desire and the power to be what you want me to be. But Father, you have called us to rely upon you completely. 
let go of our own feeble efforts, to be reminded that it's the grace of God that teaches us to deny worldly lusts and to live holy and righteous lives. Father, thank you. It's not up to me because I am so weak. I can never do it. I can never save myself. I can never grow spiritually apart from your grace and your power. So I'm thanking you today, thanking you for your work within us, both to save and to sanctify. I pray in Christ's name, amen.